Hello and welcome to the first in our new podcast series, Decisions Decoded, focusing on decisions and themes in regulatory investigations and enforcement. My name is Catherine Pluck and I'm a senior knowledge lawyer here in the financial services team in London. And today I'm joined by financial services partner Katie Stephen and we're going to be discussing the latest AML FCA enforcement case. Before we start discussing the decision in question, I wanted to quickly mention that these enforcement-focused podcasts are purposefully designed to be short and easily digestible, giving you all the key facts as we see them from recent decisions or recent enforcement themes. But if you would like to discuss any of the issues raised in more detail, of course, do not hesitate to contact either of us directly. So let's get started, Katie. What decision are we discussing today? And before a deeper dive, in a nutshell, what was the issue? Thanks, Kat, and hello, everyone. So the decision we're talking about today was published earlier this month on the 2nd of October, and it was issued against ADM Investor Services International Limited, which I'm going to call ADM. And it was an investment brokerage located in London, and the FCA has fined it £6,470,600, and that's in connection with failures to maintain adequate systems and controls to manage the risk of money laundering and financial crime. And the FCA found that ADM was in breach of principle three, which, as everyone will probably know, requires a firm to take reasonable steps to ensure that it's organised its affairs responsibly and effectively with adequate risk management systems. Thanks, Katie. As those listening will be aware, financial crime systems and controls is a key focus for the FCA at the moment. Why is this case particularly interesting? I think there's three key things that make this uh, decision interesting. The first one is that it's demonstrating the FCA's continued enforcement focus on AML issues. And there are some interesting lessons learned for firms um, in relation to that. The second point is that it's an example of the FCA's use of its uh, supervisory tools and its sort of interventionist approach, which we've been seeing more of recently because ADM agreed to a VREC. And I'm going to come on and talk about that a, a bit more later on. And the third reason is that ADM used the FCA's partly contested case process, which meant that it could challenge the penalty and make representations in relation to the level of the penalty that the FCA was proposing. Um, and you can see the representations that it made at the back of the notice. And that meant that it could still bank its 30 percent discount um, by agreeing to resolve all the issues and uh, fact and liability but but still continue to to challenge the penalty and we'll come on to this a bit a bit more later on but although it's difficult to tell from the notice it looks like they might have had a bit of success in in making those representations in relation to the penalty um just one other thing to mention which is that it's interesting that the FCA highlights in the notice that the failure to implement adequate AML systems and controls um, uh, meant that the uh, firm benefited from an unfair competitive advantage over firms that were compliant because uh, firms save the costs involved in implementing such systems and controls. And that means that they're attractive to customers who wish to avoid customer due diligence and more rigorous enhanced due diligence. And I think what the FCA is doing by bringing enforcement actions um, against firms in the AML space is trying to provide a disincentive to such non-compliance. 
Agreed. Thanks, Katie. So looking at your three particular points of interest in turn, shall we firstly look at the AML issues identified in the case? What were some of the failings and the consequent learnings for firms in this area? Yeah, so the decision picks up a number of similar AML systems and controls failings that we've seen in, in earlier cases. Um, so just to give some details on some of the particular failings which might be of interest to firms, the first one relates to ADM's uh, AML policy. And there were a number of failings here, including that the AML policy failed to properly ascribe the AML responsibilities between the MLRO, the compliance staff and the frontline staff and didn't identify the person with overall responsibility for AML systems and controls. And there were also some references to out-of-date uh, legislation, and it referred to matters which might generate money laundering suspicion, including mention of a client's corporate structure and the type of trading. But it didn't highlight other obvious money laundering risks, such as the risks presented by clients from certain jurisdictions. And there was no reference to the relationship between the assessment of the client's money laundering risk and the intensity and the frequency of the ongoing monitoring. That the second point really relates to ADM's account opening procedures, including its account opening form. And there were a number of failings here. So, for example, there weren't any, there was no reference to the circumstances in which it'd be appropriate to ascertain a client's source of funds or source of wealth. And the procedures instructed staff to complete a KYC form, but this was the only mention of the KYC form. There wasn't any instruction on how to interpret or act on the information provided within the KYC form. And the warning in the KYC form didn't make it clear that where ADM couldn't comply with the CDD measures, for example, where a higher risk client refused to provide details of its source of funds, then it was required not to enter into a business relationship. And the account opening procedures didn't make that clear either. And the last area I wanted to mention um, was in relation to the MLRO report. So uh, in the period that's covered by the notice, ADM senior management were provided with an annual MLRO report, but the FCA found that the content wasn't suitable because it didn't give ADM the um, information it needed to assess the adequacy of its systems and controls and enable it to properly identify, monitor, manage its financial crime risks. So uh, an example is that the 2014 report didn't identify the weaknesses in, in policies and procedures, even though there were criticisms in a 2014 internal audit report that there was no evidence of critical that critical compliance policies have been formally reviewed and updated since 2008. And Another example is that in the 2015 MLRO report, some of the content was so similar to the 2014 report that it suggests that it had simply been copied over from, from one report to another. Thanks, Katie. Um, and could you tell us a bit more about how these AML failings came to light? Yes, of course. So this is a good example of the importance of firms uh, really acting on, on warning signs of any issues, whether that's from the FCA or from internal sources such as internal audit. And also really important to follow through on any remediation actions. And what had happened here was that in 2014, the FCA had conducted a periodic assessment of ADM, focusing on clients within its uh, contracts for difference or CFD business. And 
the after the uh, 2014 assessment, the FCA notified ADM that it identified some weaknesses which required improvement and it required ADM to complete a risk mitigation programme or uh, RMP. And then the FCA came along and visited two years later in, in 2016 to assess the adequacy of the AML systems and controls and uh, identified failings again. So they found that some of the inadequacies remained from the 2014 visit, but they also identified some new and more systemic failings. Um, and another aspect of the principle three failings, which I mentioned earlier, which, and which are identified in the final notice, is ADM's failure to conduct adequate remediation of the weaknesses that have been identified in the 2014 assessment. And this leads us on to the second particularly interesting point from the decision, doesn't it? The FCA's use of interventionist supervision. Could you please tell us a bit more about this? Yes, of course. So um, as a result of the FCA's concerns in, in 2016, the FCA asked ADM to enter into a voluntary requirement or, or VREC. And the purpose of the VREC was to limit ADM's exposure to the risk of money laundering and financial crime by limiting the higher risk aspects of its business until its systems and controls were adequate. And this VREC came into effect in August 2016, and it prohibited ADM from entering into new business with new or existing customers who were either resident, domiciled or incorporated in one of the 97 countries on the firm's uh, high-risk country list, PEPs, or assessed as high risk in accordance with the firm's revised client risk assessment uh, matrix. And although those restrictions didn't apply to existing clients who were resident, domiciled or incorporated in the, in the 24 countries within the high risk country list uh, on the condition that ADM undertook EDD reviews uh, of those clients within a specified period. And the final notice makes the point that following the 2016 visit, ADM invested significant resources in improving its AML systems and controls, and that by the end of October 2016, it did have a suite of AML policies and procedures which were clear and covered the areas the FCA expected. Um, and, and highlights also that ADM retained the services of external compliance consultants to assist it in its remedial work and, and recognised that that was a significant expense uh, to the firm. But looking at the timing of the FCA's visits and the remedial action taken, which are all now quite a number of years ago, you can see just how long this case took to come through uh, the process and get to final notice, and that there have been a number of uh, stages uh, along the way. And that's something that we're also seeing uh, in the things that we're working on. Agreed. Thanks, Katie. And finally, for today's podcast, shall we have a look at the penalty and the third point of interest, which you flagged at the start, the ADM's use of the FCA's partly contested case process? Yes. So with the penalty process, um, the, the uh, FCA started with step two and they looked at what ADM's relevant revenue was and then sought to apply a percentage to that as the as really the starting point for calculating the penalty. So they did that by uh, 
determining what seriousness level uh, to apply to the breach. And they took into account, um, as we mentioned at the beginning, that there is a benefit to firms to be gained from not implementing suitable AML control frameworks because that saves uh, time and costs. And they also took into account that the breaches went on for over two years and were preceded by the, the FCA's identification of, um, of concerns and that the breach was committed negligently. And so taking all of that into account, they ascribed a, a percentage of 15%, which is a, a level four. And that meant that when they applied that to the relevant revenue, the figure they were coming out at was over 16 million. And so what the FCA did was they reduced that on proportionality grounds by 50% to get down to a figure of uh, just over 8 million. Um, and it's difficult to tell exactly from the final notice, but it looks like when you review the representations that the firm made, that this proportionality reduction might have only been made as a result of ADM contesting the penalty under the partly contested case process and making representations. That wasn't the end of the story because there were then some aggravating factors, which meant that the FCA increased the figure by 10 percent. But the firm then got the benefit of the 30 percent discount for early settlement. And that's how the fine comes out at the six million uh, figure that I mentioned at the beginning. Thank you, Katie. Lots of interesting points from this decision to take away. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Do look out for further podcasts in this series on our Regulation Tomorrow podcast page and also on our blog. And as always, please do get in touch with any queries or suggestions for future podcasts. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.